And now get ready for part two, being an entrepreneur in the coffee industry with Jim Getz and Schleif. So we talked a lot about acquiring customers. We talked about the target area, the pinpoint, the surrounding area, mile and so on, and the marketing and how you hone that in and, you know, didn't mention it, but I'm assuming social media is a part of that too. Like you said, old school, the physical touch and the coupons. For instance, we do have like uh, uh, electronic coupons. We have like an... um, Call it eWord system. So I mean, you sign up for it. You get like emails once a week okay. that uh, provide you a coupon, or like if there's things that are coming out. Like for instance, we just uh, launched online ordering uh, system wide, and so and there was a new app that was associated with it. So I mean, through all of our eWord customers, that information would go out. And oh, that's so, great. Uh, uh, so it's a, there's a there's a centralized way to communicate with our the customer base that have signed up for that service and stuff like that, um, and also to receive. Now every store has usually their own Facebook page, and so they'll put coupons and other events and so forth like that. Uh, with uh, with that, I myself even have an area developer Facebook page. It's uh, Big B Coffee Experience in Indy, and so uh, that way you can kind of you know you can look for so, events. So hey everybody, like and subscribe to People Add Value Experience, <laughs> and go look at your your Big B Coffee Facebook Correct. page, uh, national and or it sounds like the local. area ones, yeah, local right. ones, yeah. and like the Facebook page. So Correct. you know on the on the YouTube channel, <laughs> like and subscribe on the Facebook, <laughs> like and do whatever else is appropriate. Follow all those fun things. Exactly. You know, that's right. It helps out. So right, just like with the eWorks, there's the algorithms, right? There's algorithms of social media. And same with the distribution of the emails, right? It's it's always important to have that that feedback. And so, do you see that coming in? Do you guys? I'm a, is there like a button that you click that you can say, "Yep, this amount of coupons." Like we distributed it to two thousand people, we received two hundred people using these coupons. Does that do you play with that at all? Those um, kind of numbers. So, like our eWards, there's a QR code that's with them. So when you scan them, you kind of you know like where did this coupon come from? Okay. You know, so, you know, if you send it as a mailer, you know, if it was like one of the standard ones we hand out the window. Um, if we like the last week we had a two ninety nine uh, drink special for all of the Indianapolis stores and we had a different QR. So, I mean, you can, so, and again, this goes back to owning our own data. We can see what coupons and what deals uh, that are being redeemed. And that, that tells us, you know, like what does our customer base value? Right. You know, and so uh, yeah, my favorite's free ninety nine. I don't know if yeah. you've seen that coupon. <laughs> Doesn't drive a lot of customers uh, for sustainability. So we talked a lot about acquiring the customers, and I appreciate all that information you've provided. Um, what about people, workers, right? How how do you go about? So hey, franchisees there, but just in general, and certain markets are are harder than others, not only to to get them and hire good quality people, but to sustain them. So. Just want to touch on that that first part there. How do you actually go about acquiring uh, new personnel to work at a store? Right. Um, so, culture, culture, culture. I mean, really, be honest with you, the culture of that store helps feed that store. Um, if it's happy, if it's energetic, people want to be a part of that. Um, what then? Uh, what goes into a positive culture? Um, you there's. You got. You have to understand what is the the market pay rate that's out there, um, and if you want good people, you've got to pay good people. Uh, that's just a reality, and uh, and so it's understanding that. I mean, you kind of touched upon it a little bit. Like, are you interviewing people, and then are they not showing up? There, there's. You didn't have to analyze why is that happening. You know, like is that person coming in for an interview, and like it's just toxicity is just pouring out from that workspace 
they're not going to want to be a part of that. Or if you're talking to them, like, oh, this is great. But then you're offering them minimum wage. Like, mm. you know, like, I can't, like, them not showing up is, they're providing you a feedback right there. Mm-hmm. Now you got to figure out why. And, uh, and if it's consistently happening, there's probably something that's leading towards that. And so uh, I actually came across that when during like the COVID time periods, like coming out of the end of that was I'd be interviewing people and then I wasn't getting anything back. And then I started kind of driving around and you kind of start seeing like all the window decals on uh, uh, wanted type yeah, window. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they were putting dollar amounts there and you start noticing trends and you just realize like, if I'm wanting these people to come to me, you're, you're, you're going to have to, you have to pay to get good people. Um, now pay, is a starting point. Then you have to create an environment where they want to be a part of it. And uh, um, I definitely believe it's kind of like the military thing of like centralized uh, command, decentralized execution um, is, or empowering your people, giving them opportunities to be a part of the coffee shop. Empowering you. And so, um, and that's, I mean, whether or not you're giving leadership, small leadership responsibilities or making them like, you know, like there's a barista that's in charge of like social media or there's baristas that are in charge of training. Um, you know, there's people who can learn how to start doing uh, ordering. Um, you're, you're giving them slices of responsibility. And, and then also too is encouraging their feedback and hearing back from them. And they feel like, you know, their voice is being heard. Um, and I, Again, it goes back to culture. And so... So is there... Like, I'm assuming there's a training program for folks that have never been a barista before or something like that. There is, yeah. And we do... We do... We do, And that's... When you are doing a lot of interviews, you do get certain feedback from previous experiences and stuff like that. And um, I know that it's kind of like a future question. Are there things you've heard that have stuck with you? And so Mike McFall... Uh, one of the co-CEOs of, of Big B Coffee, and he said it right. No one comes the first day of work and goes, I want to suck. They don't start that way, you know, or... Vacuum salesman. You know, and so... <laughs> but, I mean, but, like, when someone starts a job, they're excited. Oh, you yeah. Know? And so what's causing that excitement to drop away, you know? Mm. And, uh, I mean, sometimes it could just be, like, boredom, and they just want to try something different, Okay but there could be other things that are leading towards that. And so training is one of them. And so do you have a consistent training program? Are you putting them in situations where they can succeed? Um, Do you have materials that are there for them to help them to succeed? Um, If they're not doing sales tactics, are you are you creating an environment where they're receptive to hear that information? Um, Are you creating, again, it's just as simple as like, when you're brand new and you got like this register and you're just trying to figure out like <laughs> all the buttons, yeah, and, yeah. what's a butter bear, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. And, yeah. and, uh, and, uh, and like, why do you keep getting on me? Like, why, I, I can't remember to ask them if they want an extra shot of espresso because I can't remember where the button is to put in the original <laughs> drink, you know? Yep. So, so, um, so is learning, like, what are you asking of them? And like, how are you helping them along in their journey? Um, and so, so then like we, I realized that. So now we have a cheat sheet that's on the side of the register that says, you know, uh, beverage upsell, food upsell, Bigby card. 
And so it's something they don't have to think about. They can just say, oh, did I ask that? You know? And so then sure. you're starting to create a habit. And Isn't it, I mean, that's, that's huge for everybody. Right. I mean, cause there's the, what was the book, the checklist manifesto yeah. and they dug into like, they went to a hospital, they did a study. Why are, why are there so many people either passing away or getting infections? Yeah. And they found out they were so busy that doctors were going surgery, surgery to surgery and forgetting to wash their hands. Yeah. So they were contaminating these patients and so it was like a five-step checklist or something. I mean, super small. Uh, it just, yeah. hey, did you take off your gloves? Did you wash your hands? Did you put them back on? Like, not your, not your hands, yeah. but put your gloves back on. Something like that. So having that cheat sheet. And, you know, I, I mean, through some various studies of Lean and Six Sigma and some of those things, like just, just some really small, streamlining, efficient steps to jog your memory, especially when you get busy, yeah. is extremely helpful. So... You're able to, so you've done some some research over time and you found out through trials and tribulations, I can get some people in. I'm assuming you've you've done some either like ads or or like, again, social media, like, hey, we're open the store, uh, apply now and or physically, you know, you have the signs, then you get them in and you've noticed over time that I'm, I'm assuming it's been refined and or the culture of the shop, ask certain questions, experience some of the generic ones, but I'm assuming every flavor, every shop will have its own culture or flavor of questions, maybe more specific to them and the, and or the franchise owner. Um, so then they come in and now you've helped train them. It's a stain training. It's a training. Therefore it's not like something so crazy that it's not consistent where if I ask, you know, Bob number two and Bob number one's like, Oh, I don't know. I've never learned that. They all learn the same thing so they can help each other out and rotate. So, so they go through that experience the culture is part of the sustainment, but what else? Like, how do you sustain loyalty and and folks staying with stores and, and continuing to work for the right. for Big V? Well, and something else I kind of want to uh, just further develop the concept we were kind of talking about before, and this kind of goes back into entrepreneurship. Um, the individual gets into business themselves. Um, they have to have very strong convictions upon their decision-making process. I mean, that's, one of the, also the reasons why you, you get into business is because you, you are hedging your life and also even like your, the, your, your family's life on your abilities. You're betting on yourself, which means you have to have a bit of a confidence and also uh, a bit of stubbornness, but, but confidence in your decision-making abilities. Um, sometimes as an entrepreneur, you have to ask yourself, Am I getting in the way of my own success? Mm. And, uh, and there has to be a, a relative self-reflection that goes along with that. Um, because, and it's, it's counterintuitive because the moment you start to question yourself and your effectiveness, then all of a sudden now you're second guessing every decision. And then you feel like you're becoming like a less effective entrepreneur, which then can lead into your business. But you, there needs to be a healthy self-reflection. And what I'm kind of getting at is uh, when it comes like to culture, it comes into, uh, um, you know, crew and stuff like that. You have to ask yourself is, and I, and I, I honestly, like when I do listen to like business people, like, oh, the workers aren't what they used to be and blah, blah, blah. There's all these excuses as to the reason why, um, you know, like they're, their sales are down or they can't keep people and stuff like that. Like I always want to say, I guarantee you back in the Roman times, you know, Maximus didn't break rocks like Claudius used to back in the day. I mean, like the, every generation thinks they are the hardest working generation. And the next one's the laziest. And sometimes I want to like shake that entrepreneur and say, 
have you looked at yourself? Are you the reason why? Are you the one that's kind of getting in the way? And I'll be honest with you, I had to have a moment with myself. You know, it's like, um, am I getting, I wasn't giving the tools for people to be successful. I wasn't giving proper feedback for people to be successful. I wasn't giving clear enough direction and guidance and vision and goals to be successful. And I feel like it's important for an entrepreneur to do that self-reflection. Are there things I myself that can do can do better? Mm-hmm. And I feel like those are the businesses that do grow and uh, are the are, is someone having that capability to do. It's tough to do um, and yeah. self-reflect on. And, uh, and, and really, and it kind of goes back to the labor part of it is I had to start peeling away responsibilities for myself and empowering other people. And by doing that, uh, I was creating an environment which was more positive and healthier, but also too, is that when someone feels associated with a business or they've got a role and a responsibility or something where they feel challenged, they want to stay and they want to grow. And, uh, um, it's my job as an entrepreneur to kind of, to, to continuously create more opportunities. Right. Um, yeah, there's a really good book that I, I was listening to almost done with it. It's called mindsets by Dr. Carol DeWick. And she talks about growth mindset and fixed mindset. And you know, there's some psychology behind that as far as like the self-reflection and self-awareness. And that's more of a, a top tier. Um, so there's the personality of, I want to evolve and grow as a person. And then the self-reflection is part of that from, from the root, if you will, is you really do have to look at yourself. And like you said, whether that's a business and somebody get in the way, or is my personality conflicting with, right. um, either my other franchise owner, my area developer and, or my, my, my fellow workers. Right. Um, so that's, that's a big deal. Uh, I, I think, I think it's interesting that, you know, I, so I had to write a paper for one of my class. I know not formal education, but, <laughs> but it brought to light a lot of things I already realized is, you know, when I used to do the professional speaking in the military, talking about different personalities and also different generations. Yeah. And again, this paper brought out a little bit more and looking at what was important. There was the radio generation. There was the silent generation. There was the traditional generation. Some people experienced World War II. Some people, you know, there was the economy booms and depressions and all these things. And then now you have technology and things are instantaneous at your hands where you had to, you know, use the Dewey Decimal System back yeah, in the day yeah, to go yeah. to the library and took yeah. forever to do research. And, you know, and you had the, the set of Britannica, you know, encyclopedia. And now it's like, yeah, I can just do whatever on the phone. And now it's not only like localized, it's nationally. I can get world news in two seconds or not even two seconds on my phone. Yeah. And that's different. And you have to realize that you have to realize people are used to having this information instantaneously they're used to like you said even more clear and concise different words different phraseology i mean even from state to state that changes like slang all those things like all that has to be taken into account and again that's why i think you know living overseas you see that right and distinctly but but i think that's extremely important so that's that's a great point of being successful is looking at yourself looking across the board holistically of the different generations and or that demographic you're in because we used to look at subculture. So not only like, Hey, here's the generation, but then the subculture. So if I'm in this age group, but then I grew up here, I've experienced different things. What does that bring to the table when I go to apply for a job? Right. And, And again, how do, and I want them to stay there. How do I do that? There's, I'm sure there's more, if I work in a pizza shop up in New York, you know, New York city specifically, there's a little bit more brashness that's uh, accepted there compared to a small town in Texas or Florida, right? Completely different dialect, everything. So I think that's, that's huge. So, so you, you, you have, you touched on the culture as far as huge loyalty, the, the person themselves looking at it um, themselves from the franchisee standpoint and, or even manager standpoint, right. And making sure that you're sharing that 
and then taking the feedback. So that that's the part you you know, hey, I'm looking at it, but like the feedback from them and not taking it personal, but taking it professional. Right. That feedback loop of saying, okay, hold on a second. Maybe they're right. Maybe I do need to change. Like again, either I grew up that way and I was doing it this way, or or maybe I need to like modify this training a little bit because right. the people around here are used to X, Y, and Z. And these other people were used to W and A, right? Completely different. Yeah. So I think that's 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 a big thing. Um uh, you know, I was going to ask a question about how do you keep morale high, but it sounds like that's literally just part of the culture and just keeping it revved up. Is there is there anything else that Big B Coffee does? Like, um, like the company I work for has you know Christmas right. um, gatherings, parties, if you will, and and those kind of things. Does so they do? I mean, we have like once a year we have like our um, uh, our, our conference. Uh, people, our employees call it Big B Palooza. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, That's awesome. But it's but it's Big B Nation Summit is a, is more official term of it is, and so it's where franchisees and managers like it's like a two to three day event. Um, and so some days it's just for franchisees. Some days it can be for local baristas and managers that kind of come in. It's an opportunity to kind of interact with other people, like in your own peers, kind of get some lessons learned that way. Um, they have like local events. We just had one uh, where it's like kind of like a, a, a big B batch. It's kind of like a, I'll explain it. It's um, it's just a fun skills based event where again locally, like for instance, it was in central and northern Indiana. So all the stores from there, they kind of got together and uh, they kind of created uh, an opportunity to kind of do. Uh, it's just have fun, but then also to do some learning some skills and being able yeah. to show off skills. Um, I also, do you guys do like the bartender, like you uh, flip the cup, <laughs> it's like, well, there's, there's like, like hot coffee getting uh, everywhere. <laughs> like, there's yeah. things like latte art competitions. Oh like yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can do etching or foam stretching and stuff like that. Um, foam stretching. So, I mean, you know, when you're, when you froth. You you said you've got yourself a very fancy espresso machine now, and you could you could stretch the milk. You make some foam in there. If you if you when you're pouring that milk into the uh, uh, into the drink at the end, you can kind of do designs with it and so forth. And so um, uh, you'll have to get to that level. Oh no, I mean trust out. me, I'm not there. I, I've gone to places. I'm like, oh, they made a clover, yeah. or they've made yeah. like the you know heart and the leaf. Like that. Yeah. It looks like a leaf. I was and... really good at making watermelons, round balls, uh, circles. Basically, I was really good at circles. <laughs> yeah, here's the blob. Can't you tell? It's the blob. It looks yeah. just like the blob. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's that, and like something else that I I do, like I empower my manager this way because I mean she's. So a, I have meetings every week with my manager. We kind of discuss like how are things going, uh, what, uh, and again she's in the shop all the time. So if there's things that are coming up, we can kind of discuss and get ahead of it. But also too is empowering them. I say, look, I'm giving you a budget, $50 a month. If someone like had a tough day, you know, like you don't have to ask for permission, you know, like this is go out and get them a card and maybe like a $10 uh, Amazon gift card. Or, um, you know, it's uh, you know, we're gonna have a long day. Like you can pick up some cookies and, you know, People can kind of share that. I mean, like small little gifts and stuff like that, uh, or just appreciations of just saying, hey, you know what? You did a great job today. Um, that is learning to stay away from the butt statements. Just giving a compliment without any other follow-up. I gotcha. You know, any kind so, of caveats. Yeah. And so, I mean, there, it's a bunch of little things, you know, that uh, can lead to morale. Um and so like big events and small events and, That's uh, great. um, and just, just recognizing good. Yeah. So 
You mentioned it earlier. And one of the big questions I, I like to ask for people that have participated in entrepreneurship and or just business in general through the COVID period. Yeah. Right. So I, I know a lot of people had lessons learned there. They had to do some large pivoting um, for the company, the, the, the coffee and, and or Bigby company perspective. How did y'all approach COVID right. uh, with with people not being able to physically get to the stores? You know, I mean, I'm sure there was some right, first responders also yeah. need a lot of caffeine. So I'm sure <laughs> well, had a ton of people coming through. But how, how did you guys approach that? I, I still remember. So I Air Force Reserves and uh, um, COVID really started kind of starting up when I was actually doing my reservist duty. And, uh, I actually almost had, I had to get permission that I could leave. Uh, I remember it was like March 12th is when I left, uh, the Scott air force base and March 16th, the governor shut everything down. And, uh, and so, I mean, it was a scary moment. And, um, I remember, uh, Mike McFall and, and Bob fish, they were having like daily teleconferences with like the franchisees. And like, and by this time period, we were celebrating our 25th, uh, birthday I mean, yeah. uh, within the company itself. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's been around forever, but like it's, it's a, it's a longer time. And right. like they were there from the beginning and I could see fear in their eyes. Mm. I mean, and, and why, and I called them up and I said, you know what, Mike, I, I appreciate, well, first off, that's the other thing too, is that his cell phone is readily available to us that we can call him. I've accidentally pocket dialed him one time and, uh, <laughs> and I got a phone call 20 minutes later saying, Hey Jim, what's up? You yeah. know, and stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, it's an over a hundred million dollar yeah. you know, company. That's awesome. And, um, but anyways, I called him up and I said, uh, I appreciate the fact that after 25 years, there's still fear in your eyes that everything that you created could just disappear, you know, like he cares, you know? And so at a point where he doesn't like, he's made his money, he's made, he's created a legacy that he could say I'm proud of, but yet he's not done, you know, and stuff like that. And so, um, and when I get to that, I mean, it kind of goes back to the smaller level, but even when it comes to like bigger instances, it's that passion and that, and it's that drive and, uh, and, and the I care factor. And so uh, I remember it was hard to find sanitizer. It was hard to find masks. Oh, man. They were, the home office was trying to work when, with our distributors to secure that stuff. Okay. You know, like getting procedures down and like, I mean, it was different in Michigan. It was different in Illinois, Indiana, right. Ohio. Oh, I mean, like, right. and, uh, and so like, they're trying to give us guidance. I mean, and you're trying to like work through a landmine that you've never gone through and, uh, and you're trying not to make any mistakes. And so, um, communication was huge. Um, uh, I remember when it happened on the 16th, I brought the store in everyone in and, uh, and I was very clear. I said, look, I'm no longer working the line. I, I, if I'm working the line, then I'm taking away a dollar from you and high school kids, you'll probably get one or two shifts, but we have people who have to pay mortgage, childcare, there's expense. They, they have priority. And like I said, look, I need every one of you. Like, this isn't going to last forever. I'm going to need every one of you. We're all going to kind of like, we're going to, we're going to have to be more efficient. We're going to have to be more lean. Um, but, uh, but we're going to get through this. And so, um, so messaging, um, creating a solid plan, having solid back of the house support, uh, so that people feel safe and comfortable as well. So too. Um, so did you have to like the, so no one I'm assuming could enter, but you could keep the drive through going. That's correct. Yeah. And so, uh, um, 
and we had we had protocols that we took serious and uh like if we were going to do something uh it was anonymous feedback and if one person wasn't comfortable with it i mean we could have had 20 employees and 19 were good with but one person wasn't and it was all anonymous if there was one person that was and we we were we we always stuck with the guidelines but like uh but we would not do something more uh unless everyone felt comfortable with it. Right. Baseline is health department, you know, yeah, if I, right. and, uh, but we, but, and it was important because we wanted to make sure that people felt safe and comfortable coming into work. Um, because you had that element, like it was weird. It was, uh, we were fortunate that our, because we were one of the entities that were considered mission essential. So, uh, um, I told you, yeah. Caffeine and yeah, first responders no, it, is a serious it, deal. It, it's, it's real. And so, uh, it was weird. Like, so we had, um, we had sh- shrunk our hours down. And so like, I mean, not how, how should I say that our labor hours down to, because we knew that there was going to be less demand because everyone was home. But then all of a sudden we had, like, we were doing like 40, 50, 60% sales gains, you know? <laughs> and, uh, um, and so then now we're in an environment where you need people. Right. You know, and so Wait, did, did you have to hire during we, COVID? We had to hire during COVID. Wow. And so uh Wow. Uh, and so that was challenging in itself and it started off with having a uh, again it goes back to strong culture and um a, a work environment where people felt heard and safe. And um we never reduced our hours. Um we we stayed open from 5:30 in the morning to 9 p.m. every day. So we weren't playing that game all over the place and stuff like that. So we were reliable and I think that helped out a lot. Um and part of the the sales gains that we had, this kind of goes back to knowing who you are, what your strengths are. When during that time period, I mean like Starbucks were getting overrun. I mean it was like ludicrous the lines that were there and people were going on the local chatter going, "Why are you guys st- spending 30 40 minutes in the Starbucks line?" Bigby Coffee, it, guys, it's locally owned. He supports the community, uh, and like, oh, and like, they've got great drinks, and their prices are reasonable and stuff like that. And I mean, like, this was not me doing it. This was like our customers out there going yeah. into the chatter out and speaking. That's for great. Us. That's and, great. And uh, um, and so people go, oh, well, you just got lucky during COVID. It's like, no, it was a lot of. I mean, yes, but then also too, it was a lot of pre work and commitment to the f- ideals and the foundation of the company. That um, that that led to our success. So and they're more like they're loyal to the ideology along with the good product, but because of that culture, that that ideology, and again the culture, they they attach to that. Right. And so yeah, I, it's it's interesting because um, one of the one of the guys uh, that owns a local restaurant here will be coming on at some point, and we'll do a session. And he stayed open through COVID, and he was very transparent with his workers. He's yeah. like, "Hey, and you know, I'll let him go more definitively into it." But yeah. a lot of them came back that, that if they had to leave again to draw unemployment, just right. due to the nature of what was going on. Again, touristy. You know, while there are locals that support, when you have a lot of your base yeah. uh, revenue base off of you know seasonal tourists, and they're yeah. gone, that's huge. And I mean, still running and doing extremely successful today, and because. I went, I, cause I knew, right. It was important. I felt like as a consumer, it was important for my local businesses to support them. So I would go buy stuff and bring it home or whatever on the way home from, from work, you know, essential worker yeah. uh, <laughs> at the time. Anyways. So being able to do that was, was a, was a big deal. So that's, that's crazy. I, to know that you went up, I think is, and you weren't selling sanitizer. So that's like, right. right. So, yeah. <laughs> what a benefit. Yeah. That's, that's a big deal. I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that you guys not only were able to sustain, but then actually grew during that period. That's, 
that's wicked. Um, so so now that we've uh, we're sort of culminated the the company standpoint, right? That pretty much all the way from from uh, birth to its current sustainment as a teenager, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll come. It's interesting because Asian cultures they'll have like a hundred year plan. I don't know if you know that yeah. from a strategic standpoint. Like I've studied some of them, it, just different mindset. Like here, it's like ah, maybe 10, 20 years out, they have like hundred. But I'm like, how do you take quantum computing into your hundred year plan? But that's a whole other uh, ball of wax, different discussion. So I, I really, you know, just in general, we and we talked a lot because I wanted to hit some lessons learned. But I think we hit it through a lot of the a lot of the conversation and topics that we discussed here. But I, I really wanted to, to sort of wrap this up and and talk a little bit about life lessons, right? So from a personal and professional standpoint, one of those questions you semi answered earlier, and and we'll just reiterate that from a pro- professional standpoint. So. What, what was a valuable conversation that you've had or listened to or been a part of that has stuck with you professionally? Again, you can reiterate or, you know, draw down a little bit more on the one you had earlier or if there was a, a, a different conversation. Um, so, I mean, there isn't like one or two. I mean, it's, it's, uh, um, I've, I've, I've learned that when successful people start talking, I shut up. And I listen and, uh, and I, I always grab little nuggets here and little nuggets there. Um, and then I try to incorporate it into, uh, uh, my style and so forth. Um, like I mentioned before, Mike McFall saying that like when you hire somebody, they don't start, you know, the first day going, I want to suck at my job. You know, like something, if you have a person with dropping productivity or morale, there's something causing it. And, uh, and so then, and then if it's happening more often, then you need to really take a deep dive in what's causing it and, and then look how can you solve it. Um, Assess the variables out there, right? right exactly. Narrow it down. That's yeah. it. And, uh, and so um, another thing that I, I learned, um, uh, Bob Fish, I remember, it was more, more specifically towards like Big B Coffee. Um, when I had uh, first started off in Big B Coffee, I wasn't a strong believer in coupons. I thought, okay, you're you're devaluing the brand. Why pay full price if I get this coupon in your hand and stuff like that? But I was listening to him and it was, it was this, uh, he referred to, if I could do anything, I wish I could turn the word coupon or discounting into promotion mm. because that's what it is. I mean, what you, what you are doing, you're not devaluing the brand, you're growing the brand. And, uh, and he was right. And I, it was just, it was, to me as a business owner and the idea of trying to grow my business, it was mind blowing because it was just a, it was, com- it was completely backwards from what my initial thoughts were. I mean, and I still, when I talk to like uh, prospective franchisees or even current franchisees, it's, it's trying to get that mindset to change mm-hmm. and uh, the power of the discount. Um, you know, it's based on, trying to get repeat customers, but also too is to reduce that barrier of entry. We have a great product and we have great customer service, but if you never cross that door, you're never going to experience it. Right. And, uh, um, and so that was something just for at business wise is just understanding the power that's associated with couponing slash discounting and promotion. That's huge. And, uh, um, and I feel like a lot of times people are afraid, like that's the first thing that they're going to want to cut or pr- stop. It's like, oh, my discount rate's too high. I need to get that down low. It's like, uh, you, 
you don't want it to be ludicrous. You need to understand, and this kind of goes back to understanding your market and understanding your customer. Um, but that shouldn't be the first place you're looking at, you know, as to of trying to reduce costs because that is your growth generator, is your customer right. base. And uh, um, the other thing is is uh, um, kind of going back to that was empirically on, like, and this was the difference between a champagne market and the Indianapolis market is that when I opened, I opened soft in champagne. I said, okay, um, we'll grow. And when I opened in Indianapolis, I opened up with a big bang. I made a big deal out of it. I was giving away all the stuff and like our customer base was here and then it went down and then it went back up and the places where I started off slow, it just, it did grow, but that those lines never intercrossed. And, uh, um, and there's some just some value added on creating marketing buzz. And I've had franchisees that say, oh, I just want to do a soft open and then we'll do a grand opening later. And I was like, no, you only get one grand opening. And you need to make that all about getting people through that door. You could do grand and then super grand. I know. <laughs> super, super duper. Super, and then you have yeah. super duper yeah, grand yeah, opening. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But, it's, um, but again, it's a mentality. And it takes some strength and courage to like, you just got done dropping a good amount of money and now you want me to give product away yeah. or either free or super discounted. And, uh, and the biggest thing with business, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And uh, um, it's, it, you, you have to think strategically and your efforts here are gonna pay off here. It's kind of like the COVID thing where my success is because all the efforts that I led up to that point created a moment that I was able to be successful. It's kind of like you create your own luck yep. uh, type thing. And, I, I'm a big fan and I've heard it multiple times in multiple different situations and scenarios and context is think if you can change, and this is hard for American culture in general, yeah. is if you can think chess, not checkers. Right. Because we're very driven as a culture to think in the checker, boom, instant rate, boom, one move, two moves. Yeah. But like you think chess and you're thinking 20, 30 movie, moves ahead, yeah. that is a big deal, right? right. Like you can't, see just right here you need right in front of you three feet two feet in front of you you have to see that 50 foot target 250 whatever right yeah. like way far away so i think that's that's extremely valuable for a lot of people to hear and understand um is that that big boom up front can pay dividends a little later on and i like that you know again if you're just listening he did sort of a a u loop here with his hand but the big bang starts off the top goes down a little bit and then that curve reapproaches the top. Right. And then like you said, that, that organic growth started off and it was almost more of an angle, right? Like a 45 degree just growth in that instance. So, I, I mean, that's huge. I, I didn't know that. I think that's really important for a lot of people to hear. And the, again, it goes back to the, the power of franchising and owning your own data is that again, you, you have numbers to show this. And uh, it was kind of a phrase that, I kind of live by is that uh, figures never lie and liars always figure. Um, numbers tell you a story. Oh, do you, do you need to copyright that? Is that out there? What's that? Do you need to copyright that? <laughs> that'll be on the shirt. <laughs> it'll be Bigby, and then it'll be like Jim, and then on the bottom it'll be like the quote. <laughs> but it's. Yeah. Um, but I mean, numbers tell a story. You got to understand those numbers. But numbers do tell a story, and uh, um, and that and again, that's the power of a franchise and owning your own data is you have that ability. Um, and because I do, I get asked sometimes, like, why didn't you ever do like Jim's coffee shop instead of like, instead of Big B? And the reason being is that like, I don't need to invent the wheel. The wheel's been invented. And so 
Um, and people say, well, you pay a royalty, you're just giving away a portion. It's like at having your own entity, you're paying a royalty. It's called opportunity cost. Um, Cause like I'm having to figure out the menu. I'm having to figure out logistical stuff. I'm having to figure out all those back of the house things. And I'm forgetting the most important part of the business. And that's the front of the house. That's the operational part. That's the interactions with the community. It's interactions with the customers and franchise, like the big B coffee franchise and the systems that have been around for a while, like the wheel's been invented. Here you go. Here's the wheel. Now drive it the best you possibly can. And, uh, and focus on the operational part, focus on the customers. And, uh, and I, I, I had to, again, it's kind of a little bit of an ego check. It's kind of like franchising an entrepreneur. You know, you, I had to have a realization that sometimes I'm not as smart as I think I am. And I need to listen to other people who are just as smart and incorporate that. And, right. uh, and, some of us that have known you a long time realize that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I had to go on my own journey, you know, and stuff like that. But, but again, but yeah. it kind of also goes like with uh, with one of the roles and like the passions that I do have, like as an area developer, is and I said entrepreneurship is that uh, I I want to help people who have that fire to be successful, and uh, whether I sell toilet paper or whether you know, I mean, like it doesn't matter, like. Bigby Coffee is the median to get to that point of uh, why you want to be an entrepreneur. And there's usually different reasons for it. Um, and I mean, and I, I start with people saying, you're going to own a job and I want to get you to owning a business. And uh, there's a book like E-Myth. Uh, it's, it, it's great on that. It's like uh, you have people who say, I want to start a bake. I want to start a bakery because I love to cook. Well, if you love to cook, go work for somebody and cook. Otherwise, if you want to own a bakery, then you need to be teaching other people how to cook. So that way you can then have the freedom to do what you want to do. Right. That's the that's entrepreneur is having the freedom to be able to do what you want to do. Big B Coffee is a mechanism and proven systems that are out there to be able to do that for somebody. And so like whenever I'm talking to the perspective, I'm, I, I had to kind of learn that. I was like, okay, why are we here? You know? And, uh, and now uh, us as a mechanism, we can get you there. Right. And, uh, um, that's important. I, I mean, that's important. I like your analogy with the, with the, I think of the wheel and the car, a driver compared yeah. to like, Hey, I just like cars compared to a driver that you want to get in. You're going to take care of the car. You got to do all these other things. You're going to have to teach your kids how to change the wheels of the tire. Right. Like there's a, there's a lot more that goes into that. So, so that was a lot of the professional side of the house. Have you learned anything from the gym perspective, the personal perspective? Have there, has there been a conversation in your life that's something that has stuck with you outside the professional side, something, something more personal that makes Jim who he is today. Well, Jim's a complex person as I speak with him in the <laughs> third person. Flower uh, with many petals. <laughs> <laughs> like Shrek. I'm onion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, there is, it's really be honest with you. All the good things that have happened. Uh, all the blessings, all the failures that I have had. Um, I, I've always stated I am who I am because of all the good and bad things that have happened to me. Um, and again, it's just like our conversations that we'll have like philosophically under, you know, whatever kind of beverage that we have decided going on and stuff like that. I mean, just yeah. kind of talking about those. It's just, it's, it's just being open to listening. And So would you uh, say you don't have necessarily like a, like you said, a single conversation that you've, 
gathered value in your personal life from it's been multiple are, are, are there any that i don't know top three or anything uh, like i know i don't like I'm tr- i was kind of hoping to ramble a little bit <laughs> to think about to, it a little to, bit to pop in but it's just i don't know it it's just it's small things um uh it's having it's having that desire for improving just self-improvement um you know you see other people reach goals and you're like okay uh, what, how are they reaching that, you know? And, uh, um, as opposed to just being someone who's just kind of aimlessly out there, you know? And so, um, it's, I don't it's, and I know you're looking for a specific thing, but I'll be honest with you. It's, it's, I mean, as corny as it sounds, it's just culmination of just life and just reflecting on it. Sure. It makes you to where you are. And, yeah. uh, and, and seeing back to like when I said I had stores that worked well and stores that didn't work well, what, why did this not work and why did this work? And then starting to make like you want to create goals, you know, and then I, mean, I guess actually this is one of the things is that like is knowing where you want to go. So that way all your actions that you do in life get you to that point. And I, I know that sounds very simple, but I think there's a lot of people out there that just live their life without direction like yeah. or they don't understand where they want to go so it's funny you say that right because one of the, the things that i think two two things one is sense of purpose right right sense of purpose is like do i have ownership and value in my job or is my sense of purpose i go for a paycheck to support other things that that's where my sense of purpose is whether that's a hobby my family whatever else yeah. and you know being that we're at work all the time there's there's quite a bit of of uh, people that at least sustain or are loyal to a job for a while, I need a sense of purpose. I need to feel like I'm part of something bigger than I am. Right. Other folks, and that's okay, right? They find that in their family. Not to say that there's not both, by the way, but they find that, hey, I, I don't really care about that as much. I do need to draw a paycheck to do whatever it is. Maybe I have car hobbies that like this provides the finances for car hobbies. I don't mind going in. I'm going to do really good at my job. But, you know, here or there, whatever, I'm okay with that. The other thing is that you've continuously said is, you know, over time, there's a lot of period of buildup. And that always goes back in my mind to what Malcolm Gladwell talked about in Outliers, which was a scientific study, if you will, that, he, you know, he's, he's very like, he provides a theory and then some of the background. And of course, you know, people always come out and rebuke whatever, but there's the 10,000 hours, right? Yeah. Like really working hard at doing something. And that comes with the experience, like you just said, is over time, there's these little nuggets you learn along the way that, yeah, it's hard, right, on the spot, or even if you've read it beforehand to go, oh, gosh. But as it comes about in the environment, you're like, oh, I remember that. That's that's what drove me to do these actions because of this conversation way back then. But if you're not in the environment or context, it's sort of hard to remember off the, co- off the cuff, if you will, or top of your head. So yeah. I do appreciate that. I think that's a, a, a big deal there. So, um, okay, I think we're arriving here towards the towards the end of the conversation. So I want to, I, oh. I did, sorry, I apologize. I do. No, go ahead. Too, is that like, uh, is, uh, the concept of life balance and, Ooh, uh, big. and that's, and, and be honest with you too, even when you come back to the workforce environment is your employees as well, have a stronger, uh, feeling towards life balance and the concept of that. And, uh, that's one of the things as an entrepreneur, sometimes you have, difficulty with because you can be very obsessive and you can be very uh pour everything into it and stuff like that and you do have to give things the work it deserves but i always i remember when i was stationed in spangdalm i had a commander um and um he was very career orientated very career orientated 
and uh, his kids were had kind of grown. And we had talked a little bit about rugby and how he used to play lacrosse and stuff like that. And you can just kind of tell her once while it was kind of like always reflected on his life yonder and stuff like that. Um, but he was very focused on his career. He went to the doctor and the doctor said, you have leukemia. You're probably going to be dead in three years. Wow. And so then all of a sudden you do all this reflection of everything that you gave up to maximize your career. And then, you, you know, it's that one of those moments you have like, it's, did I, did I live the best life that I could, you know? And, uh, and so I, I can be very work driven and, uh, um, I've, and I have to, I have to consciously work on that element right there of, of, of recognizing, uh, life balance. Yeah. You pick up what I call. So that's nice. That's right. You're like, Hey, I'm elbows deep in espresso beans. Can I give you a call back? But at least you pick up the phone. Right? Yeah. Well, and I try to call you sometimes too. I, you know, well, now listen, we don't, that. we don't need to stretch the truth that much here. Jim, too. You know? oh, yeah. <laughs> we all have those people, yeah. right? Like I tend to be the person that reaches out and that's okay. I, yeah. it's, we're all different. Um, so, okay. So I, I have a final question to ask you. Are you, you you're ready for the final question. I'm ready. Yes. Okay. I'm a little scared. So it's nothing. <laughs> Pull your blanket on. No, no. So, how many in your life? How many beds have you slept in? Oh, man, I moved twelve times growing up. Really, it wasn't until I was forty-four that I had no idea how long I was going to live someplace. So, man, I'm probably saying that I've between like college and military and rugby tournaments. Rugby tournaments. Now, does it have to be beds? Can it be sleeping bags? Can it be? Uh, so, so uh, here, here's the here's the fun part about the question is the question is not really looking at a numerical yeah. answer. Yeah. The question is the journey that your mind takes. Yeah. So you start going in your head, and everyone's approached it differently. I'm like my cousin. In the, in the last session was like, Oh wait, is it just by myself? And I'm like, Oh geez, buddy. You know, like, yeah. Let's, so let's like, the, program, right. Uh, yes. This is family. <laughs> I don't want to mark explicit yeah. on it. So, yeah. so yeah, the, the big deal about that is like, you start to reflect where I came from as a kid. I slept in this bed yeah, and then I moved and I slept in this bed or I went over to a friend's house and I slept in this bed for a sleepover or I went camping yeah. and I slept here or I went hiking and slept here. And then like you said, being in the military, I mean, especially deploying, you're sleeping in cots, you're sleeping on bunks, yeah. you're sleeping, and not only where you get to, but also transiting, right? You mean the tra oh God, transit tents. Yeah. Anyway, so like those different places. And so it's, it's this cumulative like thought process. And I just like to ask people, because I think it's a really cool thing to see their mind journey yeah. and, and just those, the iteration of life. Yeah. Oh man. And just so many places in Europe that I traveled to, I mean, just when I went on the two week uh vacation in italy i mean huh, if that's probably like 20 right there you know stuff like that it's uh yeah it was anyways yeah yeah impossible to answer your question <laughs> <laughs> well impossible is a pretty big i mean i think if we just like you know made some tack marks yeah. we could figure it all out but no i i just appreciate you trying to you know just going on that journey with me and and yeah. and looking at that because i always think I mean, you know, good Lord, just depending on, on some of the people, it could probably be thousands, yeah. maybe even tens of thousands. I mean, if you think about people that have travel as part of their job, like a musician or a roadie or uh, maybe a sales agent, all the hotels they have to go to. And if they moved as a kid and or a military, I mean, there's, yeah. you, you could easily get to that. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure it, it would be for most people in the hundreds. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't say that, right? It just depends. It all depends. But like I said, I, I, what, what did you think? Like, how did your mind start working when I asked you that well, question? At first, I'd say like, I was be like, well, man, it's probably like 30 or 40. And I was like, no. And, she, and then like, yeah, then you start saying travels. And then, and then there's times I've gone, like even when I was in college and like I was driving from uh, Penn State to uh, Springfield, Illinois, uh, my bed was in the car sometimes because I couldn't stay awake and everything like that. And so yeah, when I was over in Germany and I was traveling all over the place and yeah, I, then I just started trying to focus and I was like, this is impossible. My mind, <laughs> mind was starting to explode. <laughs> remember the tents and Amalans yeah. left in oh, and yeah, 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 all those different places. Yeah. Um, some of our, our rugby friends were nice enough to host us in certain yeah. uh, their their apartments and their houses, but so, yeah, I just wanted to wrap it up. I wanted to thank you, Jim, um, for coming on. People at Value Experience. I had a great time. I've learned a lot from you. Um, I appreciate Bigby uh, nice. Coffee for allowing you to come and, and talk uh, at, at length and, and at detail and providing some detail for the consumers and the, you know, the potential franchisees out there and just yeah. learning a lot more about that. So, again, just I wanted to say thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you as well. All right. Well, and that ends the episode and hope everyone enjoyed. Great. All right. All right.